Yes, indeed. Welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast of the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket, Kevin Sherrington, and Evan Grant in studio. And we got to talk about your Texas Rangers who have risen all the way up to second place in the American League West as we record that on a Wednesday. They've won seven straight. And my God, after a disastrous April, Evan, they're back to 500. Times are good for the here and now as they've, I guess, taken advantage of a softer schedule in May. They have taken advantage of a softer schedule, but Listen, let I I don't think we should downplay the significance of this team being twenty and twenty right now at the quarter mark, given that Adrian Beltre has yet to take an at bat, that Cole Hamels has been out for the last three weeks, that Carlos Gomez is now out, and that for by and large their offense had been until the last week, homers or nothing, their bullpen had been highly flammable. Uh, for for this team to have righted itself and got itself back to five hundred now. It now puts itself in position to restart the season, and things do look much more optimistic from from this perspective. Look, you're you're eight games back of, of Houston right now. Okay, that that that's a significant deficit. You, you really can't if you're a club that wants to do something. You can't focus on that before June Correct. hits. But the other part of it is, two years ago, with not as talented a team, they were nine and a half games back of mm-hmm. Houston at this point in time. Uh, the Astros are playing really good baseball. Unbelievable baseball. Yeah, uh, and, uh, but I don't think they're going to play 700 baseball all season, and I don't think the Rangers are going to play 500 baseball all season. And so I think it's somewhere in the, they're going to meet in the middle. And I so think is this 2015 this, all over again? I don't think it's 2015 all over again. I, I think this team is, is, is better than it was two years ago, and I think the Astros are better than it was two years ago. I think it's going to be an uphill climb for the Rangers – but I, I do think that, you know, hey, you've got 15 games left with Houston over the over the remainder of the year. Uh, you've gotten yourself back into position where you can you can operate as a winning ball club. You've, you know, put some separation between you and, once again, the helpless, hapless Seattle Mariners who everybody thought, including myself, were going to be a contender this I year. I believe I said so, I would wait to see. So injured, too. I mean, they are. just I, terrible I, luck. And, you know, at, at some point in time, and, and I know Houston fans are going to be very upset with this because I said last week that one thing that's really positioned the Astros well is how healthy they've been and the other teams in the division have been hurt. Well, at some point in time, the Houston Astros are going to suffer an injury. And if they don't, are, are then Are you saying there's a conspiracy fortunate. of some kind? No, it's just the nature of the game. And, 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 and when they do, then we'll see how the Astros react. And if you look around the American League, and I know it's really early to think about this, but Texas is only one game out of a wild card spot. And – you know, if you're an optimistic fan, you can't just look at the eight-game deficit and think, well, this season is toast because, you know, you have some winnable series coming up in May. Uh, things could get interesting as the schedule gets tougher in June. But you put yourself, because of this streak, back into that gaggle of teams that are going to be fighting for a wild card. And if you look at the Central, there's no team that has really emerged there yet. Uh, if you look at the East, there's some depth there. But it's it's still very up in the air, and I know that a lot of people want to look ahead to July with what to do with you, Darvish and LaCroix and the uh, the expiring deals. But at the same time, you have to, in the here and All now, right, just l- enjoy the summer. Let's get into this right now, okay? Uh, uh, here's what you do between now and July with you, Darvish. You negotiate the hell out of a contract with you, Darvish, and you try and get him extended. If you trade him in July, you're still going to be in a position where if you expect to contend next year, you're going to have to go out and find starting pitching. You're not and, gonna, and not just low level. No, you're going to have high side prospects for the, top, for the top end of the. Rotation. You're talking about guys that can compete and top the rotation 2018. Correct. If you don't do that, first of all, you're not going to get the same the same haul for you, Darvish, that you got for Mark Teixeira. 
You're not. Maybe, maybe the, you get something from the Cubs. You're not going to get the same haul. It's just not. You're 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 trading away a pitcher for two months. What about getting Hap for him? So Jay Hap from the Blue Jays? No, no, no. From the from, from the, Cubs? the Cubs. Oh, you're talking one prospect there. Remember the the the, the bounty and the Teixeira deal was four guys who played significant roles for this team. And that's the thing I hate about all the trade speculation is we don't absolutely know what JD and that front office values in other systems, and we don't know how other systems value their own prospects. And until a trade actually happens, we don't absolutely know the answer to that. And I think a lot of people just assume, oh, well, you Darvish is going to bring back a boatload. And, and, a- I, and he could, but at the same time, you got to find the right dance partner. I think everything that I have felt about you Darvish going into this season was that this guy was ready to finally accomplish his prime, enter his prime. And I've seen nothing but that take place this season. Well, he needs to. He's he's thirty years old. I mean, it's, it's got to happen here. And, yes, and that's, it, it no does. But I mean, that. he's also missed almost two years with 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 elbow injury. He has. I you know I just I I think he. Who would you rather have atop your rotation than you, Darvish, next year? Uh, Chris Sale. That's he's not going to be available. I know. What I, what I'm just saying is is that. I mean, who? who Listen, I I'm, I advocated for them signing him before the season even started. I said they should have signed him then. I don't think they're gonna. Uh, there's no way he's gonna sign now. No I, way. I think he sign. will sign. Really? I think if the Rangers, I think. L- let me just lay out a situation here. The Rangers went to Japan last week for Otani to look at Shohei Otani. And but I'd like to just point out the fact that after you talked to you Darvish about that. You Darvish was highly offended and would not talk about Otani after that. And you so know, what did you do to screw up that whole thing? You know, A, he was not highly offended. <laughs> and B, I think you Darvish's perspective was I've answered this question one time. I was fortunate enough to get to him before anybody else did and, and I spoke with him in, in English about it. He gave me an answer which was I thought very candid that if I was John Daniels, I would go to Japan absolutely and look at Shohei Otani. Wow. And then I think he felt like if I answer the question again in a press conference situation, I'm going to keep getting the question asked over and over again. So I answered it once. That's my answer. Move on. Do you think your common fan, and not not people that are in the clubhouse talking to, do you think they have a wall in their mind saying, well, you's not going to sign because I don't even know what you's thinking because he creates this division between himself and the media because of his translator? He he creates – I think he creates more of a division between himself and the, and the fans because of the translator. Okay. If I want to talk to him, I go and I talk to him in English. Right. And, and the guy has a great sense of humor, kids around with me. Um, when we've talked pitching, you know, a lot of it's not necessarily stuff that you would that you would quote, but it's background. Um, and when I've asked him questions like I did about the Otani thing, I think the answers have all been very honest. Um, but he doesn't want to be portrayed as a guy who, who is, whose English has actually really gotten very good. I don't think he wants to be seen as a guy speaking in broken English, doesn't mm-hmm. want to be taken advantage of that way, doesn't want anything misinterpreted. Did he see the Chan Ho Park video when he was talking about having diarrhea a few years ago and now that becomes like an internet meme? No, I, I, I never, I've, I've did, never did you seen think, the Chan Ho diarrhea Oh, video. you haven't? Oh, no. go find it. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> I just <laughs> I don't know if I want to find that. No, no, I just no. know it's, that when it's Chan, so funny. you know, what was, and again, we're going back 15 years now and I, I feel guilty of it, but... When Chan Ho, one of Chan Ho's big keywords in comment in in quotes to us was focus, mm. and the way he said it, it just did not come out very Ow. very good. You got to wonder if you can air that on the radio yeah, side. I, I get, no, no, listen, I appreciate me, what you have to say about about Darvish and his and, and speaking in, in Japanese or English. I, I appreciate what you're saying here, but I also do believe for him 
it's a way to cut off everybody. Uh, the media cut off, you know, to let, you know, there are people in the media like you that he doesn't mind talking to. But there's a lot of people he doesn't want to have to deal in with. In general, it's a shroud of mystery. Is yeah, what absolutely. He's I, I think he, he has. Well, you, let me say this too. That was the thing I remember asking uh, Edwin Correa. Uh, we're really going back now. Uh-huh. And Edwin Correa, was, I, I remember asking. <laughs> he was Walter from, Johnson. He was from uh, Puerto Rico, like uh, our our good friend Juan Gonzalez. And his attitude was he spoke perfect English. Edwin spoke English without any kind of accent. It was unbelievable. I, he he had learned it as an adult, and I asked him about that. I said, "What? Your English is is perfect." And here Juan Gonzalez could barely speak any English mm-hmm. to you, and he said, "I just felt like this was my obligation to do this." And I and I'll say this: Listen, I can't speak another language, you know. So I, I certainly sympathize with. I you barely speak English. English. Yeah. <laughs> so unless you can put in a fixin' to, or... fixin' to, yeah. Mr. Georgia. But but anyway, uh, the, the 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 point is, is that Juan Gonzalez could have helped himself out so much in this market had he been able to speak English and had he been able to communicate with fans, because there is zero sympathy, empathy for Juan Gonzalez in this market. And you market. saw what Pudge did Absolutely. by making the effort and see what Absolutely. his, but his I, whole I, post-career has been. No question. I also, you know, you... Let's talk about just before I, I want to get away from diction and go back to this whole Darvish or Tani mm-hmm. situation or contract. But in these situations, just remember how sullen Juan always Juan did a lot with body language. Yeah. Whereas Pudge, even though his English was not very good, um, big smile. He tried. There was smile. There was enjoyment. There was I love the game. You're now seeing a you Darvish on the mound who's giving fist pumps, who's excited. You see him. Even in the group settings with the media, he'll joke in Japanese, and the Japanese media will all get it, and it's always usually pointed at me. Or in the walk-off celebrations we've had this yeah. past week, he's right in the middle of the fray. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he has become part of this team, and he wants to be here. So let me let me just lay out my situation to you, okay? All right, go ahead. Rangers, knowing that they got off to a bad start, they need to have a, a plan in place by mid-July. You go to Japan, you get as much groundwork done as you can on figuring out what the Otani situation is. Now, let's just go through. What, tell fans a little bit about Otani. I'm going, I'm going to. Thank you. Okay. Now, just making the, sure. the situation on the ground with Shohei Otani is a little bit, I think, also shrouded in mystery because there are different rules in place governing international players under the age of 25 than there were previously. Now, if I under, what I understand from just looking at the superficially, if he goes through the posting process. Well, first of all, tell everybody about Otani. Who is he? He's a pitcher. He throws 100, and then he hits them very far, according to Jeff Banner. He's the Babe Ruth of Japanese baseball. According I'm, I'm, to 60 Minutes, he is the Babe Ruth I'm not going to call him, even though I did call him the Babe Ruth of Japan. Let's just kind of steer away from that. But this is a considered to be a once-in-a-generation type player. And, we, and do we even know for sure that he's going to make himself available? We don't know that 100%. The assumption is that he will. Okay. The assumption is that because he is such a great player, that even if there are some salary restrictions, he will make up in endorsements in Japan what he would have lost in, in terms of salary. So pursuing him, is that helping the Darvish cause? I think there, I, I think if I understand the way the rules are now in place, with the posting system being capped off at a twenty million dollar bid that anybody can can make, so you can have like all feasibly all thirty teams, could all post thirty 20. teams could could put in a twenty million dollar sealed bid. 
okay, for his rights. And if I understand correctly, and I'm I, I'm still I'm still struggling with this, also because I think there's going to be some exceptions made. But he can only top out at five million dollars a year in salary. Wow. Okay. Uh, through the first contract. So let's assume that that's a a six year, five million dollar a year contract, thirty million. Now I, I I'm again I may not be comprehending this as well, and I haven't gotten full full explanations to me. So you're talking about any team that wants them basically says, okay, here's a $50 million offer. Now you choose. There's no negotiation. You choose which of these $50 million offers you want to take. You would think an American League team would have a leg up just because he can mash. You would You would think, you know, I think initially people thought, oh, well, he'll go to a National League club because then he'll be able to hit. Well, no, in the American League, he'd actually be able to DH two or three times mm-hmm. a week. Potentially. There is no way they're going to let him do that. Oh, I, 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 I disagree. If you go watch video of this guy, this guy has I, – I think he can I hit. Asked, I'm not I, saying he can't hit. He makes, he makes saying, Madison Bumgarner look like a punching Judy hitting And I pitcher. asked Jeff Bannister specifically about the idea of could this be done the other day. And, look, Jeff Bannister likes to, the, the whole idea of tinkering and tweaking things and – you know, he would love to put his mark on baseball as the guy who did something different. I'd like to see him do it with his bullpen first. Well, I understand what you're saying, but I think that the Rangers would at least consider the idea that, you know, certainly not on the bullpen day that he throws between starts, but there could be a couple of starts in between where he could be the DH if they wanted to. Now, here's the problem with all that, though, and I and I get it. It's well, all sounds, it all track. sounds. Let me get through well, this no, whole no, no, no. I want to say this really quick because this whole thing about him and that is what if he what if he pulls a hamstring scoring from there, third like like Carlos Gomez is, and then your then your ace pitcher that you know that you're really counting on is out for two months. And I brought that up with Bannister, yeah. and he said, "Look, there is some risk that would be involved, and those are things the Rangers would all have to work through." Yeah. All right. Is go on with concern? your little story. It's a concern. But at five million a year, wouldn't you love to take that risk with a twenty-two-year-old? Yeah, twenty-three-year-old. I don't know. Year old I don't know. It depends here. on how good he is as a pitcher. It, look, here's the deal. And the question is, are you willing to take that risk to get him, or would you rather see him pitch for somebody else? No, absolutely. Well, I was I was so, for them getting Jose Abreu too, but that didn't uh, that didn't pan out. So, <clears throat> you take all your time in May. You get the groundwork. You try and understand the rules. And listen, I think that on this rule situation. There's going to be some there's some loophole that can be exploited, whether it's a signing bonus or something that can be exploited, or there's going to be some kind of exception made on the major league baseball side that would that will allow for more negotiation. But if if everything stays the same, let's say you can max out at a fifty million dollar offer to this guy with a twenty million dollar post, thirty million dollar contract. Wow. Well, before we get to the bats, bullpens well, hang, and injuries, hang on one second. can so, we get back to Darvish? Yeah, but no, this is all Darvish. Okay. When is this story going to be over? So you, everybody on the table has a $50 million offer. Now, what's the thing that makes Texas stand out? Well, we always go back to, oh, there's no income tax. So $50 million here might mean more than $50 million somewhere else. What's the other thing that might make Texas stand out? Supposedly, he worships you, Darvish. They work out together in the offseason. Uh, they are friends. If you've got Darvish in hand, do you now have a more desirable spot for Shohei Otani to pick? And there, there is a Pacific Rim scout over there right now that's always keeping his finger on the pulse. Well, Joe Furukawa mm-hmm. is the Rangers' uh, Asian and Pacific Rim scouting coordinator, lives in Japan, was the guy who basically was their conduit to Darvish uh, in 2011. Uh, and he he's was, working the front now. He's working that front there. Um, 
and, and so I think that what you do is you get all that groundwork laid on, on Otani. You understand the situation. Now you take from June 1 until the middle of July to say, what can we do to get this guy signed, to get Darvish signed? If you can get him signed, you sign him. If not, Quit then you pounding on the little table there. It's causing a lot of a lot of feedback here. Then you make a decision <laughs> that okay, we'll trade him for the best package possible. But I think if you're looking to get Otani, and these rules are all in place, then the best situation possible would be have Darvish already locked up and in, in, in under under contract. All right. So here's what I want to ask you about that though. Mm-hmm. That all sounds really good. Obviously, got to convince ownership. Well, yeah, you got to convince those guys to do that, but you also got to convince Darvish's agent. You know. His agent is. There is no way that agent wants to sign uh, before the summer, before the end of the season. He wants to go into the off season Absolutely. with with everybody. Our Artie Moreno would be an idiot if he did not pay you, Darvish, whatever he wanted. At, this is all absolutely true. But there's a couple things that I think separate you, Darvish, from from other players. I think being not being subject to the westernization of agents for most of his life. Uh, has an impact. I think he feels at home here, and comfort is a big deal for him. He's got babies and now dogs babies all over the and, place. I mean, yeah, five dogs, one <laughs> one of which he needs a bigger fence for. Apparently. Um, these, are, these are big things to him, and I think that he does understand that at the end of the day, the agent works for him, not that he works for the agent. And, and so I think if the Rangers do make a fair offer to him, and they – they can't come and say, okay, we're going to try and get you on the cheap here. They've got to make a fair offer. I do think it will be well-received. Are you, are you talking about a Tom Hicks kind of offer? You're talking about north of 30, I think, just to – I think I'm talking of – I'm talking of, let's say, we're, we're looking at somewhere between 150 and $180 million. Now, whether that's a six, a five- or mm-hmm. six-year deal – I'm not sure yet, but I think that's what I'm talking about. Well, and if you just and look I might at, even be willing to put an escape clause in there for two or three years uh, down the road, in the event that he does become that it does become that much more advantageous for him to try and pursue the market. But right now, I'm trying to extend this window, and I don't have anybody in the minor league system that is going to be ready to compete. This is his last contract. This next contract, maybe so. Yes. But yeah. I mean, God, look at his physique. I mean, you. Like, okay, with Cliff Lee, when that was up, you had some concern, a guy into his 30s that, you this, know, was was great, but you sort of balked at six or seven years. With you, I mean, coming looking so strong from Tommy John, he, I mean, and looking at his just physical makeup, I wouldn't balk at six years at all. Oh, no, I don't, I'm not talking about that contract. I'm talking about the one after that. At 36 or 37, he's not getting the great contract. No, 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 this is his last so this is contract. It. So that's yeah, what I mean. That's mega. why it has to be big. And it, and that's why I think it, it, a minimum is it but, it's thirty million a year. But remember, I mean, remember this guy also. I mean, he's got his own clothing line in Japan. The income, the income may not need to be quite as. Um, uh, the income source from baseball may not need to be quite as big as it is. And he would take a loss on the coasts if he signed with. New York or L.A. or some team like that. You're also a lot closer to home if you're in L.A. It's a lot. The the environment's a lot nicer. Bigger Asian fan base. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of factors here. I think none of. I think. I think. I think the idea of of maybe being three hours closer to home might have some kind of impact. But really, he doesn't go home. But the climate's a lot nicer for a pitcher to pitch in over there. He's going to have a roof here. AC. Yeah, but he's not going to have it right away. He's going to have it. 
three in two three years. I don't, I don't years think that guy cares. Time. I don't think that guy cares about that at all. That guy, what we've seen over this, and I know it's a short sample, but he's been a badass for a long time. But this last five game stretch with all the quality starts and just what he threw down last night with seventy strikes out of his ninety five and showing 90, topping out at ninety eight. I mean, he was he was topping out ninety seven ninety eight. So impressive. Threw the changeup in there. He had been playing around with the changeup in his last bullpen session. Decided to throw that about five times. Got some swings and misses on it. The, the curve this year is not just the slow curve. He's also got the power curve, and he's completely at ease with the slider once again. I just, I, he's 30 years old, and I think that part of the Rangers baseball operation and ownership con- concern is pitchers post 30, there's going to be a decline. And ev- eventually that's going to happen. But I do think that with this guy and the shape that he keeps himself in, I do think with the fact that he has had Tommy John and is now back from it, I think this guy's an outlier, and it's been an, it's been a long time. But you've had an outlier in well, Nolan. I mean, you've seen it firsthand what that type of outlier. Yeah, I'm can not going to compare anybody. to Well, Nolan of Ryan. course not. But from a physical standpoint, it's uh, here's my issue, here's my issue, and I think that Madge will consider. You said that the issue is that at 30 years old, you don't you know you're you're thinking a guy has passed his prime. The point is, is that you Darvish has not had a prime yet. To me, that's the bigger issue. He is he is the kind of guy when he goes out there. We, we we saw Clayton Kershaw hit his prime at what twenty three, you know twenty four, right. uh, and that's a guy who's getting thirty million dollars a year. To me, that's the issue for them is that we want to see a guy every time he goes. And certainly with you, Darvis, there's always potential every time he goes out that he's, he might throw a no hitter. What we've seen so far is a guy who struggles to find his stuff uh, and who is is inconsistent. Who has some really terrific streaks like he did last night, and he also has some nights where he, you know every pitcher has an off night, but most of them are over the course of a game and over the course of a season are extremely consistent. The great pitchers are. And and I'm not saying that the Rangers shouldn't give him his. I think he can reach that. Uh, but I think that's what's, that's what's going on in the minds of those guys. What is, is that inconsistent to you with where, you're, where you, Darvish, is concerned? What, what, what qualifies for you as inconsistent? Yeah, a little slow start this year. Okay. I'll take that slow start. I'll take that slow start over <laughs> – Anybody else in the rotation? And I guess well, that's, not in this rotation, sure. I'm just saying. I'm, taking, I'm talking most rotations. I, I, I say I, I think that there's a there's a um, the body. You know, here, here's my problem with with you, and not so much the stats. It's the body language. It's the feeling that sometimes he okay. I can't command this four seam fastball. I, I'm going to have to leave this. You know. Uh, I, I think the, to me the feeling that there are. But then he has other pitches to pitch. With. He does have other pitches. And he tinkers and and he and he goes with other things and he and he's you know he he he. he to me, a great pitcher. These are the pitches I throw. These are the three or four that I throw. I'm throwing them and I'm gonna throw them where I want them. And it, with him and with you, I always get the feeling uh, of of an insecurity there that he doesn't always believe in his stuff and and, and, he, and he won't go I think he's it. moving past that right I, now. I think we're I seeing think it. A, he's moving past it, and I think, B, it's because he has an incredibly high bar for himself. Well, I think it's all true, but but see, you, do, you guys are, are making a decision based on what he's done for the last month. No. No, uh, this is Too like much. 2013, 2012 for me. Uh, I, I've was, always thought this guy is, you could argue, the most talented pitcher they've ever had in the organization. All right, well, let's I don't know if I'd say that. Fergus well, Jenkins was pretty good. Oh, there have okay. been 21 pitchers. Arguably. There have been 21 pitchers in Rangers history who have made at least 100 starts for the club. Okay? Yeah. Who has the best ERA of all time? I don't know. You, Darvish. 
3.25. And the high strikeout rate, too. Who's got, I was just going to get to that, is who's got the best strikeouts per nine inning rate? Is it over 11 with you? Or is it over 10? It's 11.16. Wow. It's a strikeout. That's a strikeout a game higher than Nolan Ryan. Um, who's got the best, uh, let's see, what do you want to do? Fielding independent average, since that's a, sure. that's a hot stat? I love it. Uh, Ryan is at 3.03. You Darvish is at 3.04. Wow. So my point here is that everything that you would want to say about what Nolan Ryan did for this club, you Darvish has, has done. Well, I, I'm not going to – look, Nolan Ryan was a lot of fun to watch, but how many games did Nolan Ryan win for the Rangers? Uh, uh, let's see. Nolan Ryan won – He would get in the teens with wins, wouldn't he? Nolan Ryan won 51 games for the Rangers. Yeah, and that New Darvish has won fifty games for the Rangers. Right, but but I'm not comparing him to no. Listen, I want to make this clear. I'm the one who said that before the season started they should sign him to thirty million dollars a year. I'm I'm saying there are reasons why uh, they haven't done that so far. Um, so I think when I see, when, you know, go back to Fergie Jenkins, when Fergie Jenkins got on the mound, uh, he was in command. On the mound, there are four pitchers in Rangers history, four starters in yeah. Rangers history, to hold opponents to less than a three three hundred on base percentage. So that would be you, Kevin Brown, um, Fergie. See in see in the mix. There have been there's you Darvish is number three. The other three guys are Hall of Famers: Nolan Ryan, Blylevin? Fergie Jenkins, and Gaylord Perry. Oh, Gaylord okay, Perry, yeah. so and, and and you know Ryan was two eighty six. Jenkins was 292, and Darvish is 293. I think that this guy has not been given the credit that he deserves. I think that when he signed, everybody expected 20 games and 300 strikeouts for this guy every year, and I think that was unfair. What he has done when he's been on the mound is he's been very effective. And we live in a world where everybody's got an opinion, everybody can share that opinion, and you get, I think, some hollow narratives put out there by people that, a lot of listeners or readers and, trust. And, and, and I do think, like like you said, Kevin, there's been times when the body language, is, you know, you go back to that playoff game last year and it looked like after the second home run he looked yeah. somewhat defeated. And I think that there are times that that's a bad, you know, we're big on this phrase now, it's a bad optic. But I, I Cole Hamels looked the same way and nobody's talking about Cole Hamels in that same Well, the same only breath. thing that people were saying about that afterwards was you put that in context with his his finish and sure, sure. his Cole kind of over the hill. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a narrative that goes along with all that, but I do think that Darvish right now is as complete a pitcher as you could ask for, and I don't think that there's a guy that's going to be available on a free agent or trade market this winter that would be any more attractive. Kevin brought this up earlier, but I think the Jeff Bannister bullpen discussion is an ongoing one, and I feel like that, yeah, the rotation's been really good with all the quality starts, and the bullpen's been better because it's been more fresh. I think there is still a discussion about how Jeff Bannister operates the bullpen, even even after a seven-game win streak. And it's good to see that the pieces fall into place, but just a few weeks ago we were severely questioning just why he was plugging certain guys into certain situations, and I'm just hoping that maybe the roles have defined themselves now. Yeah, you know, um, I, I still believe, look – uh, and I and I understand what Jeff's saying and what he's talking about, but in that in that particular game that that uh, that caused this whole thing, I mean, and of course I I've been for this situational thing for a lot longer than just this year, 
But uh, but when you have runners at second and third in a tight game, and you had all the problems this team has had winning games, and you bring in Tony Barnett, not a strikeout pitcher. No, you got to have a guy that misses bats. Absolutely, but, with no outs, second and third, and because to, to me he says, all right, if I do that, if I bring in Bush, then who, who, we who found, pitches the ninth? What we found out later on in that game, later on after that that specific game in Houston, where it looked really bad to me that you were bringing Barnett, a ground ball guy, now. There's a situation here if you're at first and second, you might the ground ball right. guy might be attractive. But you, you, you that that situation seemed to cry for Jose Leclerc who had been so hot. Right. Well, he wasn't available. And it turns out if there's anything that I really have an issue with, it's I think the Rangers mishandled the Jose Leclerc situation and they basically made him available twice in thir- in two or, or twice or three times in 13 days and now they're having to deal with a 10-day deal. Yeah. So, you know, you took three weeks, maybe four, for something that you should have taken 10 days for in the first place. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I don't understand about Leclerc. How did he get a bone bruise? Uh, that, I, I, that's a good question. Is this a phantom DLing? No, no. It, there, there, was definitely, um, there was definitely a bruise, and, and depending on who you talked to, it was here or when I'm, t- I'm pointing to the top of my index finger or down by the, the palm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it... it when they say bone bruise, uh, it may just be it may just be a bruise that was because you, you watch when he finally did get in a game with Houston, it it he had a hard time gripping the ball. His, right. his fastball was all over the place. Yeah. So and we're not always privy to who's available, who's fresh, or what little things you know ailing these no. guys. And, the, and and we play you know court, a Monday morning quarterback with it as it's happening, but at the same time, it would be nice to see him lean on his swing and miss guys a little bit more in situations sure like because here's the thing about. in the ninth inning we talk about the ninth inning and how tough it is look what is tougher than coming in with runners at second and third and no outs there's nothing tougher than all that. agreed i but i also i also think that one thing that that uh, I'm not us necessarily but i do think sometimes fans say, okay your best reliever is matt bush bring him into the tie game bring him in with runners on second and third you also have to be very careful with Matt Bush. Sure. Oh, absolutely. You have to be very no careful question. with all these guys. If you go to your one hot arm every time in that situation, you're going to burn him out. By the I do, I do have absolutely. a question about his health because he did get the injection this right. year in the shoulder. There was a moment, I forget how many games ago, but Sam Dyson gave up a couple hits in the eighth, and I think it was a one-run game. Uh, you were talking about bringing Bush in there. There's nothing wrong with bringing in your closer for a four-out save, but do they feel comfortable no, enough they, with they, him he's, from he's a health standpoint? He's made that clear. They believe he's a one-inning guy right now. Okay. And the, yeah. the, the up and down would cause would cause them some concern because that shoulder, that, that, that joint does tighten up. Um, okay. And I, you know, I, I also think they're very – they're very cautious right now of, okay, we want to use them for one inning. We'd prefer to use them for less than 20 pitches, and you know we're not going to use them three straight days. So as a closer right now, he's got great stuff. I don't know that he's um, a fully, for lack of a better term, a fully functioning closer. I don't know that you could throw him out there for a four-out save. I don't know that, you could, that you'd feel real comfortable with a guy going over 25 pitches in an inning if he needed to. I don't know that uh, – I was actually a little bit – he got Bush up last night when the score was three to one. Mm-hmm. Used Bush in a five-one game. wasn't a save situation. Uh, that was a situation to me where I would have thought, okay, do you bring Claudio back out now that it's that you've got a four-run lead and save Bush for another night? But he had gotten Bush up hot to warm him up, and the home run happens, and I, I think he feels like he's got to use him there. Yeah, but that's three times in four days now that Matt Bush. Yeah, real quick, I, you where, don't need to overuse him. That's for sure. Where's Leclerc? 
I know that that's sort of gotten lost in this seven game. Well, Clerk is eligible uh, to come off the DL on Thursday. Okay. Uh, I did see him go out and play some catch yesterday. I didn't get a chance to ask. I, I wanted to ask Barrister about it one on one, and did not get a chance to talk to him one on one about it. Uh, I, I intend to ask today whether or not he'll be he'll be available. But my my gut tells me that it's probably going to be another couple of days. I wouldn't be surprised if they want him to go out and make at least one rehab appearance. But what a nice addition for a swing and miss guy to a bullpen that's really been better here the past couple of weeks. I, I, would, I would I think so. But, you know, it's amazing to me that Jose LeClerc was so dominant to start this season, throwing strikes, not throwing balls, and last year you couldn't get him to throw strikes. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm wondering if was this just an anomaly that he just kind of had it for a little while? Was did this injury, this bone bruise, keep him from you know cause him to lose his touch? Did he reduce a pitch from his repertoire? Maybe could have been. He used to be a starter. Oh, absolutely. He, no, he, he went. You know, in the Dominican a couple of years ago, he had a winner like this, um, where I, I think he pitched 20 innings, allowed like one run, and you know I, the walks were were basically not as a starter or a reliever. I believe it was as a reliever. Okay. So I mean I wouldn't count on him coming back and and doing what he did to start the season, uh, but certainly you would you would hope so. They're pretty impressed by him, and I, and I well they should have been for what they saw. And, but. and I I think all those concerns are are correct, and I think another thing that you want to guard against with that is you don't want to overuse him and get him into a bad situation. No, um, but each of the last three years the Rangers have have found somebody, and now again Leclerc is on a short sample size, but in fifteen Kiernikella came in and and really. Helped save this bullpen early. Uh, last year, Matt Bush came out of nowhere and, and helped this bullpen. And LeClerc, too. So they've gotten three power arms over the last three years that have made big impacts. Well, lunch beckons. I want to get to this last big topic here. And it's Carlos Gomez down for a month or a month and a half with a hamstring. Weird play this past Sunday against Oakland where instead of sliding, he ran full speed past a bat, scoring a run in a big three-run seventh inning. You could tell at the time that he was going to be on the DL, just the way he went back to the dugout. They brought up Jared Hoying to be a center fielder. They're keeping Delano in left, at least after last night's game. Some are surprised Jerks and Profar didn't get that call after hitting over 300 at Round Rock. But in my mind, that's the right move because you can establish way more value with what Profar is doing now with the Express as opposed to coming up and struggling in a inconsistent role once again. Inconsistent role. In which there would be, yeah, you know, split up playing time. Secondly, I think the teams see him. The value in Jerks and Profar is as a shortstop and not a center fielder. Um, and the worst thing that you could do would be bring him up here, have him continue to struggle at the plate, not look great in the outfield, and it would diminish. It would send your trade value for him right back to zero. I think what they did here with with Hoying and with signing Drew Stubbs. I think the guy who, who needs to be a little bit concerned right now is Ryan Rua. Mm -hmm. um, he hasn't produced, particularly hasn't produced against left-handed pitching. And I think in the short term what you're looking for is, well, if we can have Hoying face right-handed pitching and Stubbs face left-handed pitching and keep the shields in left field for the time being, and then when Adrian Beltre gets back at the end of May, first week of June, you move Gallo to left field, and if you've got a platoon to shields, with Hoying, then you can, you know, get rid of Stubbs or, or get Stubbs to go back to the minor And you would assume Gallo's going to play a little bit of first two whenever Beltre gets back, which we're reading two or three weeks from now? I would I, I would suspect, it, well, if they send Rua back down, sure. certainly, you know, Gallo becomes a possibility occasionally at, at first base. But um, 
You know, I have a problem with that. I mean, I, I have I'm all over the map with with Gallo and what to do with him. You know, because uh, at third base he's been exactly what I thought he would be. He's he's really a good athlete. Yes. And uh, but when you're but very tall, but very tall, and you're six <laughs> five, and you're asking a six. How many six five third basemen have there been? They're really good defensively. Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland's yeah. like the only one that comes. Yeah, to people's and mind. it's just difficult to play that position at six five. And so I, there have been he, a couple of occasions where he's had to take an extra step or two on balls down the line to kind of steady himself. And then he's got a long windup because the arm is so long. But his great arm. But he's also he's also shown an ability to react really well. He does. But but my point is that over 150 games, I think he's going to make 25 errors. And and I think that's the he's going to make some really good plays. But he's going to make 25 errors because of that. So I don't see him long term as a third baseman. Is he a first baseman? Is he a left fielder? And he's a really good athlete. He's he really covers a lot athlete. of ground. Great arm. I, but he needs to play one position. Well, and, and I think that in 2018, he will play one position. And what will that be? I, that's I think that's still a good question because you could you right now you sit here and you look at the Rangers outfield situation for 18, and you say, and you look at the first base situation, and in the best case scenario, maybe Ronald Guzman is ready to come up to the big. Who's hitting well first at AAA? Yeah, he's hitting very well at AAA. Maybe he becomes your first baseman, and so then that answers your question for you. Gallo becomes your everyday left fielder. But right now, there's certainly the possibility of either one of those being open for you. I got a quick pre-Beltre return question. Pete Cosma saved a run against San Diego. I think he's a very good defensive infielder wherever you plug him in. Could there be a chance, even before Beltre gets back, that you could go ahead and get Joey's feet wet on a somewhat consistent basis in left, maybe one or two games a week, just to get him acclimated. Because once Beltre's here, he's your third baseman every day. I, I I think that any work that they do with with Joey would would primarily be just pregame work. Like during and, BP, and, and I think I I think again he's got the athletic skills to play left field. He's played it in the past. I think if Beltre came came back, they'd give Joey probably a day off to say, "Hey, clear your head. Mm-hmm. Let's work on. Let's go back out and spend a day in the outfield." Maybe spend one day at DH and, and work in the outfield primarily, and then go back and start playing left field. Regularly. Let me ask you this about uh, because here's this is an issue for the Rangers and has been this for is a little a while. Great podcast. The, uh, it, it, defensively in the outfield, they're subpar, and even even with Gomez, they're subpar. Gomez has been. Gomez no, no, has Gomez good. is good, but he's, he's been not. The best. He's not lifting up the left and right field. No, well, I mean, you had the liner to Shields with great range being replaced defensively last night. In, in the final innings, and that tells right. you a lot. And Mazzara doesn't have great range. I think he's got a, a, a slightly above average arm, but I, he doesn't have great range in right field. Well, that's my, my point is going to be about this. Joey's a really good athlete, and he's got a terrific arm. Long term, and, and because I think left field is a little uh, tougher to play here in, at the ballpark than it is in right field, long term, should they put Joey in right field and move Mazzara to left. I I think that you I think Joey's the better outfielder and can cover more ground and and runs better and so for me he fits better in left field than he does in right. And he's field. used to seeing that perspective being a third baseman. Yeah, Probably I mean I, track for, for me that would well. be that would be the better fit right now. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I think you you crossed me up there. Are you saying Joey should play right or left? Left. Left. Yeah. Then I, the Mazzara stays in right? Yeah, because I think, as you just said, right field is the easier defensive position. Yeah. And I think that even though Nomar is an outfielder by trade, I think Joey's more athletic. And mm-hmm. I think that he can, he's can. he got a, an ability to cover more ground in left field than Mazzara does. And as Sean mentioned, I mean, he is used to seeing the at least a similar perspective in, in how the ball comes off the bat. 
And I don't want to jinx it because Napoli's hitting now, and uh, Luke Roy has hit, been hitting pretty well for two weeks. It, and we won't spend a ton of time on it, but it is just refreshing to just know this offense is actually doing some of the things we know it's capable of after a month and a half of just just struggling Abysmal. mightily. Yeah, for a month I think they fell into. For a month I think they hit a bunch of home runs first couple games, and they felt all right. We're just going to mash. Then they, they started struggling for runs, and everybody was trying to fill in for Adrian Beltre, and it just led into a downward spiral. I, I think over the last week, they've strung together some at-bats. I think the walks are as important as anything. Odor walking. To see Odor walk, <laughs> I mean, to see him goodness. have a two-walk game, um, to see Mazzara drive the ball the opposite way again. Not everybody, they're not all trying to yank the ball every time up. They're taking a little bit more patience with with, with their at bats, and, and I think it's led to, it's a big factor in why in the seventh inning and later lately they've scored some runs. Is that everything? Don't you have to go do a TV show or something? I do. I have to go do a TV show at some point in time. I'm going to go report about some baseball. I will tell you. Let's let's break a little bit of news here before we go. Uh-oh. We're breaking news. Yeah, we're going to break a little bit of news. I sent an email to John Daniels while we were on the air. Multitask. And there was an interesting development last night. Down in the minor leagues. Class A, Down East, Wood Ducks in Kinston, North Carolina. Which, by the way, is the worst name in all of baseball. Uh, Delmarva is a pretty bad name. <laughs> um, There's the biscuits out there, okay? Uh, I like biscuits. I, well, we all like biscuits. <laughs> no, I, the, the nickname is not – the Wood Ducks is a nickname is not bad. This is the Down, Down East, East is, Wood Ducks. The, anyway, the whole combination. So Down East was getting it handed to them yesterday, right? They brought in Jairo Barris to pitch. Hiro Barris to pitch. Brought in a position player, Hiro Barris to pitch. He hit 98. What? Did he really? And according to at least one gun, he threw at least one pitch over 100. Wow. Just ask John Daniels whether or not the Rangers are going to consider moving him to pitch. It's not like he's killing it. Hitting. Yeah, I was going to say. He's, he's, been in the, he's a big-time bonus baby. Been in the system now a while. And he said they have talked to him a, a little bit about pitching. There are going to be well, all right. much more active discussions about the possibility of Barris transitioning to pitching. I'll just say this. Remember Alexio Gondo was a guy that was an outfielder. The Rangers envisioned him. This was A.J. Preller who envisioned him because of his arm as a pitcher. Long, linky, lanky body like Barris. Had a big-time plus fastball. You might see another Alexia Gondo type transition. Well, when you don't have great pitching prospects, sometimes you got to make, make them. them. That's yeah. right. Put them you in know the what? Oven. I remember this is long before your time, and certainly before you were probably born, Sean. Oh, but no. uh, Jeff Kunkel, former, former first round draft pick, a shortstop who didn't work out for the Rangers. I remember Jeff Kunkel, and he came in. He came in a couple of games and threw ninety five, ninety six, and they tried to talk him into pitching, and he said no. Well, I. Was a mistake. I think that uh, I think Barris, at least by the fact that uh, he pitched last night, has expressed some interest in being willing to do it. Oh, and, he did. And um, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. But Matt Bush was a former shortstop. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Ogando was a former outfielder. Mitch Moreland could probably pitch if he needed to. Hey, we, I we was always intrigued by the possibility. Too, by the you know, and I, I don't know if it ended up hurting him when he came into Colorado and pitched that that time in Colorado, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, I the idea that Mitch Moreland could come in as a left-handed reliever, face a left-hander, and then go back to first base, that always intrigued me because again, that's you know we want to talk about position flex right, like right, we were right. talking about on the on the Cowboys podcast. Anytime you can make one of these guys serve two roles, 
you're you're creating another roster spot for yourself. So yeah, fascinating. Well, Evan, that's awesome stuff. Hopefully, the Rangers can keep streaking, and maybe we'll talking about a 14 game win streak next week when we do this. 14. Oh my God. Let's not, but let's get silly with it. For Kevin, for Evan, I'm Sean Bass. This has been fun. This has been the Ballsy Podcast. We've been talking Rangers. Be sure to download everything, like everything, favorite everything, and catch the Mavericks and Cowboys Ballsy Podcast this week. We'll talk to you down the road.